0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
1: We finally got a half of real back-and-forth basketball. And at halftime of Celtics Miami, I asked my good Twitter followers, is this going to stay this way, or are we going to have one of those weird quarters? And 52% of you were right. It was the third quarter. Things got weird again. Celtics took off. He couldn't keep up. And we had another blowout win in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they didn't trade games. So is that the end for Miami? We'll get into that. Plus, can the Mavs use positive mental attitude to get themselves a win tonight? It sure sounds like that's what the Dallas folks think. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Matt Jones in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We got 90 minutes tonight taking you up to that game between the Mavs and the Warriors as Golden State gets another chance to close them out. But let's talk about last night first, Matt. Let's make this straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I think we got, yet again, confirmation of the secret to this series, which is a Celtics team that is bigger more physical, more able to fight through the injuries that they have. And as long as they don't turn the ball over and they shoot higher than eh, 30-ish percent from the field, they're going to win.
2: Yeah, I don't totally agree with you on the more physical. I think Miami's pretty physical. I just don't think they're as talented. They just don't have as many scorers. And when you have a situation where Jimmy Butler is, is hobbled and Tyler Hero is out – I mean, who's going to score? They just don't have enough guys. And, and I, I think as long as that's the case, that you can play these games over and over and the results, you know, outside, they're going to have to shoot 60% or from three in order to win these last couple games if they don't have Tyler Hero. And, you know, last night they had no other real offensive options in the second half, and you got the result you got. I do think the better team is is leading right now. And I think it's going to end in game six. I think it has a chance to be another blowout. But it's kind of amazing to me, Sarah, that he'd even got here. Like when you watch the team they have, it, it's – I understand they played in Philadelphia without Embiid, but to be the one seed all year with this group is actually pretty impressive because I don't think it's all that talented of a group.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're you really see the importance of a 100% Jimmy Butler here because you mentioned they got through the Sixers. Part of that was when Embiid was out. That's when Bam could feast, and we know that Bam cannot keep up with a true big. He gets beat up when Embiid's back out there, and when and when Robert Williams, when Time Lord is back, Bam cannot function the same way. And I I, I think when you look at the East all season long, that top three or four kept moving back and forth. And so the one seed didn't mean as much as it did in, say, the West, right, even though the Suns are no longer in this. Um, I think the Heat just managed to be really effective and to show up every night and run what Spolstra had planned. And that's tougher to do in a series when you could adjust. And I think you look at stuff that the Celtics have done partway through. For instance, they're not switching on Jimmy. They're making him shoot oversize. If a big ends up on Jimmy on screens, they make him shoot over that size because they would rather have him take a jump shot than chase him and foul and send him to the line. And that's particularly true when he's got no legs, because last night, I mean, at least two full-on air balls for Jimmy just couldn't get the balls up.
2: Yeah, you've seen, I think, the toll that playing as the primary and in many cases only offensive option has put on him. It's it's sort of like what we talked about you and I a couple of nights ago. I mean, the wrong two teams are here in terms of <laughs> w- with Miami and, and Dallas, but it is what it is. So now the question is, can can Boston close it out? You don't want to have a ser- a sequence like happened to Milwaukee last time, where they're at home for Game Six. You think they'll close it out, and then they don't, and then they end up losing Game Seven as well. I just don't see. I just don't see the firepower. Um, but it is interesting to watch. What a difference Robert Williams makes for that mm-hmm. Boston team. It's a different – it's not that they can't win without him. They have some. But he gives a, a – he makes it to where they really don't have any obvious weakness. And I think that's what really gets them. Because you're exactly right. When he's gone, then Bam can become a very effective player. Bam reminds me of in the, in the the on the tennis tour, the men's tennis tour, when you had at their peak Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. And after those three – the rest of the tour could beat each other, but none of <laughs> nobody could beat those three, right? Well, Bam's kind of like that in the sense of when he's not playing a true big, he's as good as anybody in the league, mm-hmm. but you put one of those true bigs on him and then all of a sudden it's a different thing. And it's it, and so it's almost like you know what you're going to get out of Bam when you just look at who he's against that night because yeah. it sort of tells the tale of what's going to happen to it.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Matt Jones, in for Fitz on ESPN Radio. You you question what happens next. Can the Celtics put together another game and close this out without falling into the traps? And and yesterday, first half, by the way, they were doing a lot of things that got them in trouble before. And that included a ton of turnovers. um, And that included Brown and Tatum being really bad I think shooting 19% or something from the first half before 67 plus percent in the second I mean those two guys um, 61% I should say in the second half after 19% in the first so they easily could have gotten themselves in a hole again if they hadn't taken off in the third but Jason Tatum after the game talked about whether this chance to punch their ticket to the finals feels any different
3: yeah it does you know my rookie year being up 3-2 you know obviously you know Different team now. I'm a lot better. JB is. We're just older, and we've been through those tough times. But you know, the the mindset and the talk that we had in the, after the game was, you know, we was down three-two last time. I had to go on the road and win a game six, and we did. So you know, we can't think that it's over with. That you know, we need to go back home like we down three-two. Sense of urgency, like that we. It's a must-win game. You know, not relaxing because we up. You know, because it's possible. You know, obviously we did it last year. So. Knowing that, you know, and talking about that, and obviously enjoying this one, but um, not being satisfied, knowing that we still got uh, things to clean up, we still need to play better, and uh, you know, the job's just not not finished yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. Whatever happens between these games that causes these huge swings, whether it's getting too hyped about a victory, whether it's just coming out shooting cold and then getting in your head, the Celtics at least proved last night that they could struggle in the first half as long as they kept it tight. I think it was like a seven-point deficit at the half, and come out and and turn the gas on.
2: Yeah, the Celtics can come back. The Heat cannot come back. So it's almost like they have to play a perfect game. You saw that. I mean, there was one run in the third quarter – and they got down 10 to 11, and you could just see on the Heat's face, they're like, well, we're done. We're not going to be able to come back from this. They almost have to play the way in, like, college football, if a team is playing Alabama, a secondary SEC team, and they just have to keep it close and hope you can get to the fourth quarter and maybe they'll get tight. The Heat almost have to do that with the Celtics because if you let – if you let them have one run, they just don't have the offense to get it back, whereas you made the point. The Celtics have the offense, too. They can fall 20 back and still feel like they can win. And that's another reason I just don't see how in the world the Heat will be able to extend it to a Game 7.
1: Yeah, you have that smothering half-court de- defense, and then you're going up against a Heat team that's without Tyler Hero, has a hobbled Jimmy, can't really make Bam be too productive inside as long as Time Lord's out there, and then – I think I think their uh, three point shooters last night were something like oh for twenty or something horrific like that. That'll hurt I mean,
2: you. It's hard to win it, like that. It's, it's hard not- <laughs> to
1: win when you're one for twenty seven on contested threes. Uh, Sarah, you've seen this atmosphere Lowry by the way and in Skiris, Carolina 0 for fifteen. Oh. Are you
2: seeing this atmosphere? I hate to change this up, but are you seeing this atmosphere in Carolina for this Carolina Rangers game on ESPN? That's a, that's my little plug for the network. I am in
1: a radio hole with no television. So oh, I'm no. sorry.
2: You, this is a one of the, this is like a college football atmosphere for hockey. I'm sorry. I just have to digress and we're say gonna, you don't listen, see that very much. We're
1: going to get into your hockey team in just a little bit. I appreciate the all breadth right. that we've showed throughout this, first, top, uh, this t- first topic here. We've got tennis. We've got SEC football. We've got <laughs> hockey to. all that's in our right. NBA playoff covers. It's Matt Jones, always going to give you the straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, uh, we've got Soledad O'Brien, who's going to join us to talk about her real sports interview the other night with two of Deshaun Watson's accusers. What stood out to her from talking to them face-to-face. It's next.
0: You're listening to the Spain & Fitz podcast.
1: It's Spain & Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Taking you into Mavs Warriors After our 90-minute show tonight, we'll be out of here at 8.30 Eastern. The other night, really fascinating episode of HBO Real Sports. And for the first time, we got to put a face and the words uh, to two of Deshaun Watson's accusers and also one of his lawyers. They all spoke to Soledad O'Brien, who joins us now, to talk about the uh, interviews that she did. Soledad, thanks for the time.
4: Of course, absolutely.
1: So how many of the accusers did you all reach out to? Was it all of them and just these two were willing to speak?
4: Yeah, we reached out to um, all of the accusers, of which some said no, and then you had some that said yes, and then you had some that said, well, I'll only do it in shadow. So uh, we felt like these two who were really willing to come forward and sit down with us were um, you know, the, the voices that were, would be a, a good interview for this piece.
1: It's fascinating, even for someone like myself, who's read the depositions and followed the story very closely, how different hearing the experiences of these women, these alleged experiences were uh, from their mouths and and putting faces and emotions to it. What stood out to you most from your conversations with them?
4: Yeah, you know, I think the thing that stood out the most was this sense of the women when they were so excited because they run these very small businesses and they use Instagram in order to kind of promote their businesses and, and, and market their business. And they would describe just how excited they were to have someone with a blue check, you know, like interested in their very small business that the money that they put into advertising was finally paying off kind of thing. And then the moment when that they realized that, that they were just wrong that, that, you know, and the, I think the shame that, You could just see on their faces and the the sense that they had of like, oh, this is not what I thought. Um, It's just so much worse. I think that piece of just watching these women be so humiliated and so embarrassed, which they talked about and which they described to me, um, was probably the most powerful thing in these interviews.
1: Yeah, Kyla Hayes very much so talking about how she really felt like maybe her business was turning a corner with this really notable person uh wanting to come in. And I think Ashley Solis powerfully talking about what a danger it is to her and to other massage therapists if there is an impression that they're not massage therapists, they're sex workers. And I imagine the fear of you going back and doing that. your job, yeah. right?
4: Exactly. And, and it was interesting because that wasn't something I'd ever thought about before, the degree to which it puts them in danger, right? Like if you think that when you're booking a massage therapist, you're you're actually booking sex work, that's a whole other thing. And I think she described that really, really well, sort of her sense of fear um, in the big picture about kind of what people are taking from this. And also, you know, it didn't make it into the piece, although both uh, women talked a lot about the fear and the anxiety that they've had from just social media and people coming out and really attacking them um, as well, which doesn't surprise me, frankly.
1: Yeah, that's pretty standard when accusers come forward, when there's a person of interest, a celebrity or otherwise being accused talking to Soledad O'Brien on Spain and Fitz from HBO sports, her great interviews the other night on real sports with two of the accusers of Deshaun Watson and one of his lawyers. I think one of the incongruencies that stands out to me is, you know, Watson claims to have sought out, this hundred plus or whatever it is, uh, group of massage therapists for legitimate professional massage. He says it's just something that young people do to go on Instagram to find them. And yet he also admits to consensual sexual relations with at least three of them, all of whom he claims came on to him and it happened after the massage. Trying to sort of reconcile in your head, him saying at one point, I only wanted professional massage, but also I was seeking them only on Instagram, and some of them weren't licensed, and at least one of them wasn't even a massage therapist. And I also did have sex with a couple of them, but they came on to me, and I definitely didn't try to have any sexual relations with any of the 22-plus that said I did. Like I can't hold that all in my head at the same time, Soledad. It just doesn't make sense.
4: It's a lot of inadvertent sex with people who give massages and, right. uh, and it's a question I put to his uh, attorney who joined us at the end of the piece that we did, because I, I think that is one of those, and there's a handful of them, as you know, sort of these glaring questions like this doesn't exactly make sense. If you, how do you say you, you only went in it to get professional massage services, but somehow multiple times it ends up where you're having sex with women. I mean, that, that seems, very inconsistent and i don't know that um you know that their answer to that question was really um you know one that you could really understand i'm right. not sure she clarified it any more than um because it is it's a very confusing point point.
1: and so Dad, we're not naive there are people who go to massage parlors and go to massage therapists hoping that there will be something at the end of the massage that isn't just a check I get that, we all get that. Unfortunately, you can't say on the one hand that your intentions are purely professional and continue in his deposition to bring up the fact that he had a girlfriend. So I never could have found anyone attractive, yet at the same time I did have sex with a number of them. But of course I couldn't have been looking at them for anything other than that because I have a girlfriend. And then you know, try to argue that it would be absurd to imagine that any of these things happened in these sessions. Like, you know, in talking to some of the people who have spoken in defense of Watson, seeking out so many different massage therapists, usually the end is, hey, just don't be naive about the fact that some people go get massages for something else. I just that doesn't that doesn't jive with the idea that 22 plus women claim that he did not stop when they said to or that he did this in the midst of a professional setting that he was not asked or proposed to do.
4: Listen, as you know, all these inconsistencies, I think, are the things that the lawyers will be debating as this moves into court, right? There are things that just seem to boggle the mind. It is unusual to think that you can uh, claim that you only go in to, you know, to get just a massage, to just get your body work done, and then you end up having I mean, a, a lot of massages, I can promise you that no one has ever solicited me for sex at the end of my massage ever. If if you're going in for a professional massage, that is quite unusual. And I, I think that's obviously going to be a direction that the lawyers are really honing in on. What did he really want? What were really the intentions? What really happened? Are these women lying or are they telling the truth? And in fact, it's Deshaun Watson who's lying. And I think bringing up the girlfriend kind of added to the complications, right? Because we all know that you can have a girlfriend and not have your intentions or have a girlfriend and have your intentions, it doesn't really make any sense in, I think, a little bit of the, the argument that they're trying to come up with.
1: Right. Talking to Soledad O'Brien, did HBO Real Sports interview with two of Deshaun Watson's accusers and one of his lawyers. Were you surprised that one of his attorneys, Leah Graham, decided at the last minute to speak to you after initially saying no comment?
4: No, we've been trying to get, get interviews, really, with everybody, <laughs> like everybody, uh, for a really long time. Uh, so I'm not surprised at all. I, um, you know, I, I think we really were, had hoped I spent a lot of time uh, in Texas uh, hoping to sit down with them. But, you know, we, we, we were happy to, you know, I'm always interested in sort of more voices that we could add to it. And if we right. could make it work, we could make it work. At the last minute, literally, the 11th hour, they came forward and we were able to make that work. And I'm glad we got to get that in.
1: We're out of time here. So I want to ask you on your way out. Do you feel any differently about things having spoken to the two women and, and the attorney?
4: No, I, I feel exactly the same. I, I don't know that you you ever can know. You have to, like everyone, sit through what happens in court. You know, what does a jury decide? Who, How do these women come across? Or how are their stories? Or is another lawyer able to poke holes in what they're claiming? And that's really, at the end of the day, I'll be watching it like everybody else.
1: Yeah. And I think that's unfortunately one of the tough things about these kind of cases that we understand how often uh, the court systems fail to be able to prove without a shadow of a doubt because of the he said, she said. So in the end, it's do you believe 22 women or or one man with a lot to lose? And I understand how people can be frustrated by that on both sides of the situation. Yep. Soledad, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it.
4: Of course. My pleasure. Nice to talk
1: to you. Take care. You too. Soledad O'Brien, great reporter, doing stuff for HBO Real Sports there, but she does a whole ton of stuff, so go follow her and check out the rest of her work as well. Spain and Fitz, Uh, coming up, we are going to continue to look back on last night's Celtics Heat. Can the Heat force a Game 7 with uh, with a win in Game 6? And also, can the Mavs use the power of positivity to get a win tonight? We'll get into all of it next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Matt Jotens filling in for Fitz. You can follow him at KY Sports Radio. You can follow me at Sarah Spain. It's ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. Don't forget the NBA playoffs are right here on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. Game five of the Western Conference Finals. Warriors hosting the Mavs presented by Indeed coverage begins at 8 30 p.m eastern on most espn radio stations to talk about that game and look back at last night's big celtics win espn nba front office insider bobby marks joins us now bobby thanks for the time just how much of a decider in this eastern conference finals was the celtics win last night in your opinion
5: oh i think the series is over <laughs> i mean yeah. i know miami will come out with a lot of fight i just don't see I just don't see anybody on his heat team that can kind of take over a game like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can, can do right now. And I know Tatum is a little bit, you know, um, nicked up with that injury with the shoulder there. But, I mean, it feels like this heat team is just kind of running on fumes with with Jimmy Butler. I mean, Kyle Lowry is a shell of himself. Um, we'll see if Tyler Hero can play in, in, in game six. And, Man, I've never seen Bam out of look scared like that last night. I said it last night. I said, he's going to have a Robert Williams in his nightmares here. And he was just so ineffective, um, you know, compared to what he was able to do um, in, in game three here. And that, for me, was uh, certainly a warning uh, sign. And I didn't even think, um, you know, uh, Miami played great in that first half to have that lead. So I, I, I would be, I'd be really surprised if this if this goes back to Miami for game seven.
2: All right, I'm going to use your front office knowledge here because I'm with you. Series is over, so let's talk about the future for them. What does Miami do? Because you watch this and you just you, you think or I, like they're, they're a player away in terms of scoring ability. And I, I know a lot of Miami fans will say, well, if we had Kyle Lowry, I don't think it would make all that much difference if he was 100% healthy. What do you think they do to address this going into next year?
5: Yeah, I actually just finished writing their their all season article for when they do lose, and which I think will be tomorrow night. I, I think the big thing will be circled around what happens with Tyler Hero. Um, you know, if he gets – he's rookie extension eligible. If he's not extent, extension eligible, basically him and, and Duncan Robinson are their, their two big tra- uh, trade chips here. I mean, they've got $96 million, uh, tied up with uh, Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. Um, after that, um, you know, it's basically they've done a great job as far as finding those um, under the radar players, Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, uh players like that. But I think if they're you know searching for that another player out there, um, it will probably cost them Robinson and Hero. They still have a, a bunch of first round picks here to do so, but um, or you basically kind of roll this team back. But I mean, La- I mean the, the Lowry signing which we all applauded for. And I know Kyle's been injured this year, but um, defensively he's not been good um, throughout the year. Uh, Offensively, I think he's averaging about six points per game. I know he's dealing with – Dealing with the injury there, but I thought that was kind of going to be uh, a guy that can kind of put them over the top, as far as that maybe that third score that they maybe had lacked here. um, Fifty-eight million dollars, he still owed on his contract over the next two years. But I think if it's if you're if you're going to be exploring the trademark, it's probably going to be hero um, if there's not an extension in place,
1: or Bam potentially right would be. Yeah, I mean, sure. I
5: don't think you know really Jimmy probably is really the only untouchable Mm -hmm. guy just because. That, that extension hasn't kicked in yet. It's $43 million in 2023-24. So I think whenever you lose and you don't win a championship, I think you know basically you reassess everything um, as far as who's on your roster.
1: Bobby Marks, ESPN, NBA front office insider with us here on Spain and Fit. Sarah Spain, Matt Jones. There's obviously a difference between being effective in the regular season and then going up against the very best in the league in the Eastern Conference Finals. But how exposed – are bam now duncan robinson kyle lowry some of these pieces that you know uh get get pretty chesty about their play in the regular season but when they're matched up and schemed against have not have not fared well for the heat
5: yeah i mean i think it's a little bit different when you're you're playing you know you know one game during the regular season but when you have basically uh, you know it you know after four games Boston has figured out as far as what Miami can do, and it t- last night kind of turned into a little bit of a steel cage match for the first half. And and when you have two players like Brown and Tatum, as I said, that just can take over games, um, that gives you a lot of separation than what the Heat can can do. And especially when Jimmy Butler is struggling, um, you know, to kind of be effective on the offensive end. So yeah, I do think I do think the Heat have been exposed a little bit. Um, you know, certainly in Game Five, I think we'll probably will
2: see a carryover effect going into Game Six. You know, Bobby, when I think about teams that can win the NBA championship, I usually believe you've got to have three superstars and you, or it's not going to happen. The last team that, I'm, that maybe had a different sort of buildup was that Detroit team, which had – I don't know what you call those guys, but they worked together, those five. I, I look at Boston, and it doesn't feel like to me that they should have enough to be a champion, but I think they're the favorite. Am I just undervaluing Marcus Smart? Are they a team that, like, maybe they don't need the three stars? Are they like Detroit? The whole is better than the sum of the parts? What do you think about that?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think they can win it all as is right. I just think defensively. I mean, that's as good of a defensive team that um, I've seen in a long time here. I think uh, the Derek White trade has helped them, keeping Robert Williams healthy. Uh, you see the difference that he's been able to. To make Grant Williams, I just think guys know the rules. You know, you have uh, you, you have two. You know, Tatum's probably a top ten player. Uh, Bob Brown's probably a borderline uh, All Star here, and after that, you know, defensively, you've got a, a lot of the right, a lot of the right pieces here. So yeah, I don't think you have to. You know, I don't think you have to have three All Stars to kind of win that, win a championship. I think you're seeing that in in Dallas, Lucas certainly could use another one um, to get through this. Well, they're not going to win, season. though, Bobby. Mm-hmm. They're not going to no. win. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, it's funny. Once they got their Phoenix you thought, well, maybe we're seeing a little bit of a change. You know, maybe you get the French, a generational talent like Luca, and then you can just put him around, you know, a supporting cast around him. And I think that kind of can get you only so far, and, and we're seeing that in this, in this um, you know, in this whole state series.
1: I'm old enough to remember when we were all like, how will the Warriors guard Luca? This is going to be impossible. And it's like, eh, they don't really you have to,
5: to. to win the series. guard everyone
1: else. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Marks is with us. Let's talk about the Mavs quickly. I know they got to say something. Okay. It's 146 to nothing in terms of the odds of being able to come back from down. 0-3. you got to get yourself hyped somehow. Maxi Kleba says, you know, all the pressures on the Warriors. We're playing free. Jason Kidd says, we, we have a psychological advantage. Lucas says, we believe. So can they just like positive mental attitude? If they visualize every shot going in before the game starts, can they win the game tonight?
5: <laughs> it's going to be tough, Sarah. I mean, unless you follow that Memphis the game plan from the last year, that almost got them a win in, in Golden State. I, Start I mean, yeah, playing you're, you're, whoop you're that trick. You're, you're, you're okay. 48 minutes away <laughs> from going home. There's pressure on you. I don't care right. what Jason Kidd says. So, but, hey, I'd love to see a game six. I mean, wouldn't that be fun, Luca, and a game six back and down? I just don't think it's going to happen here. I mean, I think the big thing for me is basically can they attack them in the paint? Can they score, you know, in a restricted area? Do they, how much do they rely on on the three ball here, um, what we've seen in every series? And, you know, playing playing with a lead has not helped this, this Dallas team. So, there is a yeah, there's, t- there's pressure on Golden State. I think there's a lot of pressure on, on Dallas also.
1: Well, we uh, look forward to the game tonight and the inevitable series. People are already breaking down before it's confirmed to be the Warriors and the Celtics. <laughs> it's Bobby over, Stanton. Sarah. You know it is. <laughs> I said it's it today. I, listen, I'm usually on around the horn telling Plashkey no, 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 when he says it's over too early. But today I said it both times. It's over. Bobby, thanks for the time.
5: I appreciate it. Thanks.
1: Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. He's going to be a very busy man when the offseason is officially here with all the teams that have to make big, big decisions, whether that's Harden, Kyrie, some of these Heat players, whatever the Mavs need to put around Luka. uh, We're going to be talking to Bobby a lot, I'm sure. Coming up, we got to fit a lot in in a short time, so it's got to be a quickie next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz. Just 90 minutes as we take you into Game 5 of Mavs Warriors. Another shot for Golden State to bounce Luca and company. Sarah Spain, Matt Jones hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. The road to the rematch is on as bantamweight champ Juliana Pena and former champ Amanda Nunez go head-to-head. Actually, Nunez. I learned that once. It's Nunez, even though it sounds like you would put the Enya on it. Amanda Nunez go head-to-head as coaches on the historic 30 season. Of The Ultimate Fighter. Stream the series now exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. Matt, I always have to pat myself on the back when I know fighters' I like names that. and how to pronounce them. Because no, usually I like what happens like you... is the read goes up on the screen and I'm like, oh no. I should yeah. have read this before we started. I have no idea how to say this name. I like, though, that you corrected
2: yourself. Yeah.
1: My and brain then took you a did second. it by
2: sort of <laughs> giving us a little bit of insight into yeah. the into the Spanish language. I, I think that was a wonderful yeah. addition to an otherwise whatever read. I'm impressed.
1: You know what? Now everybody else also knows it's Amanda Nunez, and she that's doesn't. That's right. Want I'll you never forget it. Nunez. I actually have interviewed Amanda Nunez, and uh, that's why I remember that. Uh, it's time for Quickies.
0: Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast.
1: Now's the time of year where if you only care about football, you could start wedging football topics into every single show, even though we're still in the midst of NBA playoffs and all sorts of other sports news, and that's in part because voluntary workouts are going on. Yes, voluntary, the important word there, and yet we're still going to wring our hands over every player who voluntarily doesn't show up. It's a little more important when it's a quarterback embroiled in a contract dispute, and that is the case for Lamar Jackson which had John Harbaugh seeming a little bit aggrieved when he was asked about Lamar's absence.
5: John, I mean, this is voluntary. Lamar Jackson's not out here. Have you talked to him, or do you have a, a, a sense of his playing over these weeks? Yeah, we've been, we've been down this road many times, right, through the years, so um, i just let Lamar speak for himself on that. It's for him to talk about. You can ask him. But John, traditionally, quarterback is kind of that exception. We know veterans <laughs> aren't here voluntarily right. quite often, but. Is it a concern not having him it's, it's not for me to speak for somebody else on that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's up to him to speak for
2: himself on that.
1: Okay, so it's up to Lamar to speak about whether John is concerned, I believe is yeah, how he just tried to <laughs> answer that question. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's so lame. I, I mean, first of all, my theory about these have always been the same. If it's voluntary, then you can't get mad. If you right. want them to come, then it should be mandatory. But mm-hmm. I do think that the lamest answer is, "Hey John, what do you think about this?" <laughs> well, I'm going to let Lamar talk about right. it. What? So you're going to? I'm going to ask Lamar. What does John think about this? And he's <laughs> exactly. going to go. I'm going to let John speak for this. I think that's uh. a pretty ridiculous thing. Look, I, as I understand it, Lamar almost never goes to these. And right. so I don't really – I think it's only become a bigger story here because of the contract situation. But, it, you know, it is what it is. That John, John Harbaugh has a way of being frustrating even when he may or may not be right.
1: <laughs> I'm just glad we're not asking about Aaron Rodgers this year. For once, we could just not ask about Aaron Rodgers and not care that he hasn't showed up. To voluntary workouts either he shows right, up to McAfee
2: th- every week though he doesn't he does. miss that
1: he does that's not voluntary that's a contractually agreed <laughs> that's upon. true that's more important uh, right. <laughs> uh next story
0: quickies uh
1: Zion Williamson has been cleared to play perfect timing Zion oh what's that oh your team's out uh you won't be playing until the fall oh what's that you could definitely get injured again before that happens I'm not saying I want that to happen and that would be really sad but yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't get too too hyped about Zion being cleared to play right now.
2: I feel like I've heard some version of this story 720 <laughs> times over the course of the last two and a half years. He's cleared to play, yet I somehow never see him actually play. I, well, I, just I, dunking
1: it, in practice. It, well, but, <laughs>
2: but somehow he's good with that. He can do the yeah. between-the-legs dunk but not play. Look, here's the thing about Zion for me. I think watching him is fun in a way that very few basketball players are because he's such a physical freak of nature. But I just worry it's never going to happen like for real. You know what? Hey, Do you I'm get sad. that sense Sarah, that sad. it's just never going to happen the no, way I No, mean, I think he'll, he'll have play, some stretches
1: of greatness because there was a be, stretch early on yeah. that he was great, but it just has to be sustained enough to really matter and that's what I'm worried about. So, I'm certainly not making fun of the injury and I wish the best for him. But, yeah, that stretch where it was like, well, he has been cleared to throw it off the backboard, do a 360, and then dunk it. But he is not shooting with jumping yet. Uh, he's only he's not allowed
2: to leave his feet. <laughs> when he joins that team, they could be, could good. be good. I mean, like, yeah. they could really be good. They have the pieces now mm-hmm. uh, to be good. But I don't know. I mean, I hope. Yeah, He's a Duke guy, so my predisposition is not to like him. Uh-huh. But I want him to be good because I just think he's a very unique
1: talent. Agreed. It's fun to watch when he's good. All right, next story. Quickies. Uh, fantastic hockey player Hillary Knight is someone who I've interviewed many times, and somehow always end up talking, we always end up talking about the pressure on the greatest female athletes to be the best at what they do sell tickets, be role models, get sponsors, grow the game, all the things that you need to do. And she did a fantastic interview with The Athletic's Meg Linehan today and came out as queer. And she acknowledged in the story that there were some real concerns about that because of the effect it might have on her ability to grow the game and get word out. And so despite being one of the undoubtedly greatest female hockey players of all time, she hasn't been her true and genuine self publicly because of a fear of what it might do for this greater goal. It's a very unique challenge for uh, athletes in, the, in a lot of these spaces, but I commend her for coming out and talking about it.
2: Yeah, I think that is unique and specific, specifically unique to someone like her in a sport that very few people know about, but they might know her, that right. there is almost an added pressure. So but much I, pressure. I would actually say, and I hope she feels like this, I, I, I don't think that will have a negative impact the way – I mean, it's surely it's going to have some – there will be some – idiots but there right. I don't think that will have the negative impact probably it would have even three or four years ago
1: I agree I agree so actually, I,
2: I, I I think it'll be it'll be something that will ultimately be fine
1: I agree and actually Megan Rapinoe's quoted in the story and she said every single time someone comes out it's awesome news because it means someone's going to come out in their own special different unique way and whatever way they are who they are gives us this like much broader view of what it means to be queer they don't have to be gay gay she said they could be whatever version of feminine or or you know super butch or whatever it is and it stops people from stereotyping in in the ways that were really damaging before so props to hillary knight good job meg linehan on that story all right next story quickies all right, you want to talk about your Hurricanes. Listen, there's some really good <laughs> hockey going on. Just because I'm kind of pretending hockey doesn't exist because my Blackhawks suck both on the ice and are an embarrassment and a disgrace off of it doesn't mean that it's not happening. In fact, an incredible Blues rally down 3-0. They, they score three to tie it up. They go down again on a McKinnon one-on forever, uh, one on you know the entire other team, and they still come back and rally again for the win. I think the Avs still get that series but it was an impressive uh, game and win from the Blues. Uh, what is your take on the Hurricanes that are currently well, not at one been... goal apiece at the end of the first with the Rangers?
2: Don't get me wrong. As you could probably tell from my voice, I'm not a puckhead. But I do think <laughs> that this has been a really exciting playoffs. The game last night that you're talking about, huge comeback, very exciting, the Blues and the Avalanche the 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 two teams the the Oilers and the Flames those Alberta, games have been yes. absolutely wild and exciting and then the Rangers and the Hurricanes are setting ratings records. I mean, ratings hockey hasn't seen in the second round since the mid-2000s. So, I mean, it is a it is kind of a renaissance. Part of it's being back on ESPN. But the Hurricanes, Rangers, those teams hate each other. I guess, Sarah, mm-hmm. why I like hockey is the teams can still hate each other. You don't yes. see that as much in other sports mm-hmm. anymore. But in a seven-game hockey series, by the end, these people all want to destroy each other. And you're really seeing it in the Hurricanes and Rangers that are tied at one after the first period.
1: Funny story. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, Matt Jones on ESPN Radio. Kevin Blackestone was on Around the Horn with me today. And he said he was walking in Manhattan or maybe just heard about this. I don't know if you've witnessed it firsthand, but giant church in Manhattan and outside – in a huge line, all Rangers fans wearing gear, getting set to go pray before the game. So, <laughs> I love it. That's great. Literally bringing their fandom to, to God's door to offer well, up is, whatever was necessary.
2: <laughs> hockey has become, and baseball's like this too, but I think hockey is even more, the sort of quintessential local mm-hmm. sports thing, mm-hmm. meaning like in Carolina, the Hurricanes are massive. In the rest of the country, nobody knows anything about them, anything at all. But yet in these towns, and it's like this with New York with the Rangers, it's a huge, huge thing. And I think when you get caught up in those environments, it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It makes me really jealous when I watch highlights right now because Blackhawks won three in seven years, and it was a wild time to be here, and it was so much fun. And so you get real jellyfish when you see other fan bases getting to enjoy it. Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Quickly on our way out in these quickies. Ray Liotta came up on the show the other night. You and I were asking for some of the least believable athletic performances by an actor uh, in light of Tom Cruise's excellent movie running. And we got Madonna in A a League of Their Own, and we got Russell Crowe playing hockey, and we got Michael J. Fox when he wasn't the wolf, still dominating basketball with his spindly little arms. But Ray Liotta as Shoeless Joe Jackson came up. Here's, Here's what you remember from Field of Dreams. Hey! Is this heaven... No. It's Iowa. That's right. But RIP Ray Liotta, 67 years old, just 67. Unbelievable. Game five, we'll talk about it next.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Lord, I hope whoever makes the NBA finals puts up a full team of healthy players and gives us something to watch because – On both sides, we have had so few minutes of competitive back-and-forth basketball where both teams are playing well. Will we get it tonight? It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Matt Jones at Burfitts, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining us now, presumably and hopefully with her crystal ball to tell us whether we'll get some good basketball tonight, ESPN basketball analyst Monica McNutt. Monica, it feels like the Mavs are trying to talk a win into existence. In my opinion, it's over, seeing as the Warriors are 8-0 at home and a much better team. But how do you see it going tonight?
3: Um, Spain, you know, there's a chance. <laughs> the there's always a chance. Games. Um, listen, I personally would be all for mayhem tonight. I thought that this series will require six games. It still, um, I think, goes to the Warriors, but I thought it would require six games from the jump. So I'm all for some mayhem. I don't necessarily anticipate it. It's just been so hard for the Mavs to truly uh, shoot the three ball at such a high clip combined with the Warriors having a little bit of an out of character performance in game four.
2: It's over. Come on. It's done. But I would still say when they, when, when, when guys are at home, the role players, they can play a lot better, but on the road, it takes a certain kind of person to go up against a crowd, especially a crowd like they have at Golden State. Do you see in these Dallas guys the ability to go, Luca will show up, but will the other guy, will Max Kleber, will he feel like he can shoot this game? I mean, like, are they, do you think that the secondary guys will be able to handle the moment?
3: So here's my thing, Matt. And um, I think that Jason Kidd should have been in conversation more for Coach of the Year than he actually was. Yeah. And there is a certain air about his group. That he is obviously the lead guy when it comes to, and then it trickles down from Luca and below. I think you get a half of your role player showing up. Now, if it happens to be the second half and the hole's not too big, like if this game is closed on the fourth and you got Luca, anything can happen in my mind. Um, But to your point, like, I I just don't know if you're going to get both halves of your role players showing up, especially because the Warriors want to lock it in. Right. Like the last time they were home, they played terrific. They played terrific at home throughout the playoffs. And Draymond and Steph have both talked about sort of starting to really peak as this team pursues its ultimate goal, which is another championship.
1: Monica McNutt is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Uh, Let's talk about the other series. I think there's more meat on the bone there, although after last night, I think that one's over too. This is a series that to me is hinged on are the Celtics showing up. Are they going to turn the ball over? Are they going to let the Heat score in transition? Or are they going to shoot over about 30%, take care of the ball, and just be the better team that can't be stopped in the half court? How do the Heat get themselves out of this? beyond it being the celtics shooting themselves in the foot
3: a miraculous day and a half of treatment Mm fame because they are just beat down broke up like and give spo and the whole organization credit heat culture is to squeeze everything you possibly can out of folks that other people might not recognize right but then again there's a reason that other people might not have recognized them in the in the first place. So I just think that they've gotten everything that they can out of the talent on their roster currently. When I say hope for the best day of treatment, I mean, does Jimmy Butler's knee suddenly get right? Is Kyle Lowry's back not bothering him after taking a couple of really tough tumbles? And combine that with Bam Adebayo just playing completely aggressive as we saw him in Game 5 and Game 3, I believe, if I got my numbers correctly. Right. So there's a lot of things that have to really break their way. Where, to your point, in the two losses prior to game five, the offense had 39 turnovers compared to – or in the two wins – or two losses, yeah, 39 compared to 18 and wins. Like, for them, slowing down and taking care of the basketball is such a simpler fix.
2: Is it wrong, Monica, that I – it's hard for me not to projectile vomit when I hear the word heat culture? I mean, am I wrong <laughs> – Insane that the, the coach and one of the players nearly got in a fight just a few weeks ago. Like, I just think heat culture maybe – I know that has nothing to do with the game, but it just may be the most overrated term I've ever heard. Like, I thought a good culture
3: meant you didn't fight during the middle of the game, or am I crazy?
1: So, so here's,
3: here's where I'll push back, Matt. Like, some of my favorite and most successful teams got heated, and so I really wasn't alarmed by that. Uh, but do you would you, you call those teams respect, Monica? Like, cult, would you say those are great culture teams if you're listen, if you're listen, getting heated? I think. But listen, Matt, like you got to look at the numbers, big dog. Like, did you expect the <laughs> team to be um, a series short of the finals? I mean, even if we, even if we run it back to the bubble, like, did you expect that team to do that? I did right. not. So no, not the one in the of, bubble
2: for sure. Yeah.
3: Right. So, so as much as people are kind of like, eh, he culture, whatever. Like, there is something legit to it when you look at how this team is typically in a conversation where most folks will look roster to roster. Like if you went top four teams in the East, they've overcheat. Yeah, By everybody. Else and, and I think they would they tell
1: you, and I think they did back, because I think I snidely mentioned heat culture after that whole clipboard Jimmy's bow fight. They said the point of the heat culture is that they nip that in the bud and then they go on to have great success afterwards, right, that they can clean up even moments like that. I agree with you, Matt. It's kind of like yawn gross, but I think it's more about Pat Riley and Spo than it is about the team necessarily winning. It's, but it's the overperforming.
2: But, Monica, you made the point that was really good, which was well, the Mavericks
3: are doing something just as surprising. Why don't we say
2: Mavs culture?
3: Well, one, I think it takes some take some time for that to be embedded in the national psyche, right? Like, Jason Kidd is in year one with this organization, and Lucas still becoming whoever he is, like – Ever since LeBron and them left, like the heat been trying to get it out the mud. So we've had a little bit more time to observe them and watch them potentially overachieve. I don't know. Are we going to get mass culture? <laughs> we I could not. get some mass
1: culture, <laughs> I wouldn't be against that. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, Monica <laughs> McNutt is with us. Hey, Monica, I asked Nick this last night and I want to ask you too because I'm just curious. In those moments where it feels like teams during this have just completely disappeared, whether that was the Warriors against Memphis in the whoop that trick game, whether that was the Celtics (laughs) in the first quarter of that game three or four or whatever it was. Um, Is there a reason for that just shut down where a team that has been great just can't perform at all? Is it just, I mean, it doesn't feel like the name of the game for basketball across all seasons, but this postseason has seen some wild, massive blowouts. I think
3: the Warriors are a far different case than what I think we've seen on the East side. Like, the Warriors, to me, every now and again, just human nature catches up with them, and they know they got an on-switch in the next game, right? right? Like, yeah, you don't love getting thumped by 55, and yeah, they lose to the Mavs the other day, but, like, give those other teams credit. They are NBA professional-caliber teams as well that were having a better night, um, but the Warriors know they got on an on-and-off switch, which is why both you and I agree that tonight the buck probably stops here in that series. In the East? Honestly, man, like, watching that court side, it just takes so much for these guys to close gaps once they're in them. It almost feels like the philosophy is, well, there's that. Like, let's start getting rushed right. for the next game, right. because, especially in, in the Celtics' heat series, because literally the team that got punched in the last game is the team that usually came out swinging first in the next game, and it kind of stuck until game five.
2: You know what I'm hoping, Monica? I'm hoping one day you and I, establish the rapport you have with Sarah where you called her Spain and I got big guy. But hopefully uh, Jonesy.
1: Our, hey Jonesy. I, I'll take I just hope
2: one day I don't hey big guy. I'm hoping one day I get a Spain or something like oh, that, Monica. We're gonna careful. work you on don't that get a chief, all right?
1: Okay? Stay away from we Chief work on Chief it. is never good. Uh, chief is the worst. Never if you good. call me Chief, I gotta yeah. just
2: I gotta sign out.
1: That's right. Uh thank you for the time, Monica. Keep it up with the great coverage. Appreciate it. No problem, guys. Have a great show. Monica McNutt, great ESPN basketball analyst, also sparring partner on Around the Horn, although most of the time we disagree with each other. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can help you protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, and RV, and more. And if something wasn't mentioned that you had in mind, find out if it can be covered. Go to Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE because it probably can be. Coming up on Spain and Chief, there's a weird streak that you could end tonight. Well, you can't end it, but it can't end tonight. Chief and I will tell you what it is next.
0: You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.
1: I would like to point out that one of our listeners is right. Spain and Chief is not worse than Spain and sport. When sport. you call someone sport. Sport would be bad. Yeah, now, sport. listen, if you are under the age of 10 and someone calls you sport, totally cool. I would say 10 and above, if you're sport, someone is absolutely condescending to you.
2: Whatever sport. Yeah, sport, it sounds like that's what Judge Smales would say yes. in Caddyshack. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sport. Yeah, would yeah, you want to go wash my car, sport? I feel exactly. like that's right.
1: Denny. having a few people over <laughs> on Saturday. You want to park some cars? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Spain and sport on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Matt Jones. There's got to be some hacky local radio guy who goes by sport. And host oh, I love radio. the names
2: of local radio There's people. it has got to be. Like, it's like, um, we're, it's Bart and the Big Dog here. Yeah. On, uh, I just think all that's right. <laughs> I think Levitard always calls him Zippy and the
1: Juice. Zippy in the Juice is a good yeah. one. <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone's got a big dog. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got Mavericks Warriors coming up for you right here on ESPN Radio in just a few minutes, but wanted to alert you to a strange record that could be broken Tonight. Shout out to John Heffling of Deadspin, who somehow unearthed this particular record. Now, Matt, in case you weren't aware, last year we saw a lengthy finals record snapped. It was one of the most famous final streaks of all time. 37 straight NBA finals from 1984 to 2020 saw at least one teammate of Shaquille O'Neal on the competing rosters, which is like the, the like, Kevin Bacon game of basketball.
2: Yeah, that's impressive. But, you know, and I think part of it is people forget how many teams Shaq played on at the Uh end. Like, they don't remember that he played in Cleveland. And I will tell you, almost no one remembers that he played in Boston. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the one that people – and so I'm sure he picked up teammates on those that probably kept the streak going. But the Cleveland and Boston Shaq – it's like, you know, what was, where did Ewing end up with, did he end up in Orlando or uh, so Seattle yeah. at his Th- end? Yeah, it was
1: somewhere. Yeah. He, he was, yes. Orlando. Oh, was Orlando. Yeah. Okay. The Knicks, the Sonics and Orlando. So um, yeah, both. both. So Seattle both. and Orlando. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So that was a lengthy streak, lengthy streak, but last year, sadly, no one on the Bucks or Suns had ever played with Shaq and the streak ended tonight. For the second time, because this could have happened with the elimination of the Mavericks in Game 4, we could see another streak come to an end. This one's a little more disputed. But the certainty is that for 39 straight years, there have been a former Nick at least one, in the finals, along with, by the way, zero Knicks championships. So if anyone that ever played for the Knicks wanted to win, they would need to go somewhere else to do so. So if Dallas loses tonight and Frank Nilikina is out, who was a Knick between 2018 and 2021, it's over. That's it. No former Knicks in the finals, which would be the first time since 1982. But it could be even longer if you want to count the fact that two Celtics, Gerald Henderson and Eric Fernston, would become Knicks later in their careers after being in the finals. And if you count those two, for the one year of 1981, then this streak actually goes all the way back to 1947. The wow. streak started, so since 1947, at least one former Nick player has been in every finals except for 81, but those two guys did go on to join the Knicks later. Uh, it's a bit of a stretch on that one. I think probably I'll 39 years, is, but you'll allow it? All right. If well, you because allow I, it,
2: first of all, I don't think you can, you can never disregard anything Eric Fernston did. So as long as Eric Fernston is part of this, then I have to include it. So just, you know, put some respect on Eric Fernston's name and count him in the the thing, and we'll go back to the 40s with it.
1: Well, here's the problem. If we're allowing that little asterisk, then it will be even sadder tonight when Dallas loses (laughs) and a 75-year streak ends for the Knicks to be not in it but have former players in it. And now thankfully for the Knicks and their fans, the uh, Knicks have not been winless for seventy-five years, although it feels like it. Uh, but certainly, in the last thirty-nine, for sur- certain, they have uh, they have not been able to win a title. But former players have gone on to the finals at least. It's Bain and Fitz. Do, Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Do you spend much time, Sarah, with Knicks fans? I
1: find them to be
2: the most hopeful try yet not sad people on the planet. Like they do, like they remain sad always, <laughs> but they are always hopeful that it's right. going to be different. You I sort say of have a lot of respect for them
1: And that. I say delusional. Um okay but there's the thing, thin Matt. Line. We don't know each other that well, but for the most part, I'm a really nice person and I just like to root for my teams and support and promote players and teams I like with the occasional team and sports fan base that I wish the worst upon. Uh doesn't happen very often.
2: I would say who's the in Knicks that? Are, Which teams are the, those? The
1: Knicks are there. It's the oh, Knicks really? it's uh the Nets this year because of Kyrie. It's the Sixers this year. Because of James Harden, it's wherever James Harden is, it's wherever Kyrie Irving is, and it's the Knicks. And listen, it's not the Knicks players; it's the delusion that you speak of and misname hope. It's that every damn conversation that ever comes up about every damn free agent is gonna go to the Knicks. uh, MSG, the Mecca. Listen, these kids weren't even born when the Mecca was worth going to and a place of deep relevance. They don't know jack. You know what about MSG, and it doesn't matter if you're in New York anymore. All they know is that that owner is a disaster. They haven't won anything forever. And if you want to go somewhere and watch your hopes die, it's the New York Knicks. So you Get didn't like the bean bong guy. <laughs> you
2: didn't like that whole thing when they won that first game. I of liked the year, it and... for
1: like a day, and then five days later, I'm like, we're really with the bing bong again. Um, Again, I don't, I, at some point the Knicks will become, their fan base will become enough of an empathetic group of people that I will feel sorry and wish the best for them. That happened for me with the Blues. I still despise the St. Louis Blues and most of St. Louis fans and the owners and most things related, but during that run when they were playing Gloria and Brett Hall was saying, we went blues at the – you know, I was happy for them. I was like, this is a team that has been through a lot, and they yeah. finally made it to the promised land. But it takes a lot of sad, pathetic desperation for me to come all the way around on someone I don't like. And I'm not there yet with the Knicks. I'm just not there. Well, that there. means
2: you didn't really hate them if you came around. Because, like, I really, really, really hate Tennessee fans. Like, okay. hate them. Like, I, like, ever, like, like Tennessee, that, that orange and all of it, I just can't deal with it. And there is not a scenario on Earth where I would root for them to win (laughs) even one game, much less a championship in any sport, because they are the worst fan base in all of sports. They're mean. They run coaches like they're just just terrible. So, like true hate. See, you're you're mostly. I don't know that I have any true hate. College fans have true hate like they do we, re- we do. They do it's different than the pros because mm-hmm. we it's like your yeah, identity.
1: It's like your identity. It's not just a thing that you care about. it is deep within the blood of your body.
2: That's exactly right and we, and you're in you're usually in the same place as your yeah. rival you mm-hmm. know and that makes it part of it. So I, there's never a world I could ever cheer for Tennessee in anything.
1: Um, I'm. I would say I'm maybe a little more mature than you. Perhaps a bit more perspective about life. Maybe <laughs> I don't mature. know for sure. I don't know for sure. I could separate sports from like you know. No, I don't want to other separate. human beings and and there, There's enough you know. serious
2: stuff in the world. Let me have the okay, hate of fair. sports to keep I do, me going.
1: I do save my deep, deep hatred for things outside of sports. That's that's deserving. Um, listen, there's another couple teams that are going to be added to the list soon based on off-season signings that we referred to earlier in the show in an interview. But I'm going to save that for when the season starts and I start making voodoo dolls and other things to curse the, uh, the fortunes of those who make bad decisions. It worked once with Dallas Keuchel. He talks back about the Cubs. I pretended like I made a voodoo doll, and he didn't have a good season, and neither did his team. So just look out is all I'm saying to those who would wish ill upon me and my loved ones. uh, You never know what kind of voodoo powers I might have is all I'm saying.
2: Uh, You're a Cubs fan. You are completely irrational all the time. That's very fair.
1: If anyone knows about being delusional and it eventually paying off, it's me. Uh, Mavericks and Warriors up next. I don't think we hate either of them. Good for us. No. Good luck to both of them.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app.